0: Welcome to Tarot for the Wild Soul, Deep Conversations and Tarot Medicine for Your Highest Evolution. Uh, it's back, y'all. The second installment of the ongoing occasional installment <laughs> of Ask a Tarot Reader with Mystical Mandrake Root. Hello,
1: everybody.
0: Oh, man. if I, I apologize. We're sharing a mic today because I just moved into my new apartment and we cannot find the cord for the second microphone <laughs> so if we sound quieter forgive us because we're doing the best we can girl how are you Oh
1: God.
0: we made it through aries season we did we made it through aries
1: season we made it through scorpio full moon <laughs> That was the breakfast one.
0: That was the test. Yeah, that, like, was a test. I was like, I'm like, I don't believe in tests. And then that that fucking moon came around. It was, like, no joke. Oh, yeah, when it was coming, I'm like, I'll be fine. I'm Plutonian. And I was like, ah! (laughs) Same thing. You know what really, um, like, really did me dirty? Like, big time was that Libra moon. Oh, yeah, that one, too. That kicked my ass. Oh, my God. That was a... Oh my God. Well, I've begun to, I've realized I'm like, you know, I'm like 34. So you would think that I would have known by now, but I'm starting to notice, especially, um, I don't know. It's I don't have anything profound to say. It's just interesting how certain moons are always like a butt fuck. Yeah. With, sorry, excuse my language. And some are, <laughs> that's like really crude. But some <laughs> moons are like really... Horrible always. Like Pisces moons are horrible always for me. Scorpio moons are often horrible for me, even though, like you, I'm very Plutonian and dominant in Scorpio and like have a lot of Scorpio in my chart. I just can't get into them, they don't like me that's the it's, yeah, it's, it's
1: crazy thing is that like you start tracking it yeah and depending on where that energy is in your chart mm-hmm. like you'll notice certain waves with them it's yeah. like the scorpio ones are either amazing or i think i'm gonna die yeah
0: exactly <laughs> <And like> cancer <laughs>
1: ones because cancer is my 12th house Cancer's are terrible tough. yeah i turned back into my goth listening to like all my goth music 15-year-old self, I'm just missing heavy liner and, like, you know, like black <laughs> pants that drag against the floor.
0: Oh, my God. Junko you know? jeans.
1: Yeah, the <laughs> jeans. I just revert right back to that, like, depressed, sad, goth 15-year-old every yeah. Cancer moon because it's my 12th house. So it's, like, not mm. a good time for me. At all. Oh and you just, tracking them is helpful at least because then you kind of know. You no. Know. It's like not letting it dictate your life, but kind of like, I'm not doing that huge event during this moon because I usually break down during these. That's a bad idea, but I will take a salt bath. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, I've never done that before. I've never I've never tuned, I don't think I've ever consciously tuned in with should I do an event because of where the moon will be? You're amazing. You're always bringing something into my life that is transformative and that's thing that's a big thing
1: I'm thinking they help they help like i actually do so i think the important thing with astrology is to not let it dictate your life of course but Mm -hmm. by tapping into and seeing what's going on it can help you use the best of its energy so like if For places that are really good placements for me in my chart, I try to do my events on those moons because I know I'm going to be, like, in it. I'm going to feel very connected. I'm going to feel good. Mm. If I have in-person events, I try to do them on Leo moons because I'm a Leo rising. So I know I can really just, like, turn that on and be present. Fuck
0: yeah. So, like, using it as a tool. I love that. I love it. I, um... I like like, them doing a retreat, you know, um, by the time when this comes out, I'll be like there, but I chose it specifically this time because it fell on a new moon in Taurus and the Taurus moons and the Virgo moons are like Lindsay Max moons. Oh yeah. I love them. (laughs) And they treat me very well. They like me. I also like Sag moons a lot. I love Sag moons. I'm excited that we get one this month. Me too. They're so fun.
1: I'm usually kind of like time to live life yeah Just like man i gotta amp up my life a little bit i'm bored absolutely (laughs) absolutely these are like my favorites
0: and capricorn moons are like we're meeting on a capricorn moon and sometimes they're great other times they drag you yeah yeah i like aries moons too aries is nice too yeah aries is nice i I have deep appreciation for that one (laughs) yeah i mean because you are one right oh are you an englishman pisces you're pisces but
1: progressed i'm like
0: Hella Aries right now. Word. Okay. right.
1: Yeah. I have like That's a right. whole bunch That's of stuff right. in Aries. So for the last few years, I've been really Deeply Aries. in that energy. So I understand all my Aries friends so much better now. <laughs> it's really an experience. It. Yeah.
0: It's an experience. <laughs> it is. Um, we were talking about something before that I sort of wanted to bring up in honor of the sort of... You have been... Um, you have been... Are you okay with talking about the murder thing that you've been doing?
1: Oh, the, uh, the, uh, yeah, the prescription that I,
0: sure. Are yeah. you okay with that? Yeah. Yeah. about it. You sure? Yeah. We can also cut this out. I can talk totally so talk about it. Because I almost went, like,
1: professionally to do this kind of
0: stuff, so. <laughs> Me too. And I'm, <laughs> I love it. And I, the reason that I, I wanted to talk to you about it is because I've been just really, um exploring how the different ways that we are interested in subterranean stuff can come through. And you have been doing a subscription service that sets up templates to solve murders, yes. basically. And I can't wait to do it. Um, And you said it's been bringing you like such deep joy.
1: It has been. Um, So just like quick backstory on it. Before all of the stuff I do now, um, I actually have always been obsessed with criminology and criminal psychology. Me too. So I wanted to go to school for criminology. Um, <laughs> hashtag John
0: Jay. Yes.
1: <laughs> so I started to, but then it kind of sounds so silly, but like, I found out kind of like you have to be a cop first and you have to do all this stuff. You and I was like, I don't want to be a fucking cop. Like, can I just, <laughs> can I just skip to like solving murders yeah. and like interviewing dangerous criminals and getting inside mm-hmm. their mind. So I just found out all the stuff you have to do first. Yeah. And then I was like, you fine, I don't want to do that stuff. Yeah. Like I just want to be sitting across from him like, he's dangerous. And I'm like, don't worry. <laughs> I can get him to open up, you know? <laughs> so, this just, so now it's, uh, since I didn't do it professionally, um, it's just like, I'm obsessed. It's just, yeah. It's beyond a hobby. It's like a big part of my life. I read. I mean, I read uh, murder mysteries all the time, all this stuff. So lately, I've just been feeling really kind of just antsy and this extra energy. I don't know where to put anywhere. Mm -hmm. And then I found this subscription um, box that you sign up for and you get it delivered to your house and then you have like a certain amount of time to solve the case. Mm -hmm. So the one that we're doing right now is like six months to solve it. And I'm obsessed. Like I'm so in love. I'm so happy. Yeah. And it's just bringing like this extra joy to my life because I guess, you know, people have different callings. And I love what I do, but part of me will always feel like something's (laughs) missing because I want it to get into criminal psychology. So that part of me that's just been felt like it hasn't been getting fed is being fed right now. So my days are really eight me. Like I read someone's chart and then I solve a murder mystery at night.
0: (laughs) I'm into it. Thank you for sharing that. I, when you said that, I was just so, I, well, I would, I deeply resonate like, you know I goof around about my love for Murder She Wrote but that's kind of like it's always been my dream to be JB Fletcher I to like know. live in I a would little just stay cottage watching that show all the yeah. time. <laughs> I mean it's real and um and I've been thinking about it so I'm sorry we're talking about like murder on this podcast <laughs> but like I've been thinking about like the fact that they just caught the Golden State killer yeah. and like what went into that like how you can live with doing that and then just like living your fucking life and like that's crazy, isn't it's crazy It's crazy. There's nothing because I mean, like our job is to, and and you know, actually this conversation is kind of interesting because it does point to sort of this very odd cousin of this overall conversation that spirituality is overly obsessed with the light and the good mm-hmm. and the positive. And it's like, this stuff happens. It yeah. exists and it can be triggering, but it's real. And I think that I am just as passionate about these things as you are. So I was like really excited that you were getting into it right now. And I feel like it's cool. Um just because you can be deeply centered in Definitely. your quote unquote light stuff and be really willing to dive into that stuff.
1: Definitely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm into it. Well, should we get to our questions? Yeah.
1: We can let's dive into the questions. I feel
0: like we we can. Um Should I read the first one? Oh, yes. Go for it. Okay. So I just want to also say, like, people sent in phenomenal questions. I wish we could do all of them. And I was saying to you that I chose 10 because I feel like that's a lot for our time. We might not even get to that. Hopefully we do, but we might not. Um, I chose questions that were really different from what we spoke about before. And I chose questions that have not been answered or in some ways directly addressed on this podcast and like, you know, we have a couple of questions about cultural appropriation and intersectionality. And that has been a conversation on the podcast before with some of the guests and in some of my solo episodes, but not quite in the same way, not quite in, you know, dialogue and in Mm -hmm. conversation and the way that it should constantly be in dialogue and in conversation. Um, So, of course, I there's always um, a passionate desire to have room for those conversations. And, Secondly, I didn't include any conversations that have in some way either been answered on the podcast or can be answered just by deeper research. So like anyone who is asking about like a theory based question or something out of a book, like I think there's room to Google that. So um, hopefully these will be helpful. So I'll get to the first one. I'm excited. (laughs) So Sarah writes... How do we make our tarot practices as intersectional as possible, both in client work and publicly as leaders? I would love if you could discuss. I'm discussing on a future podcast I'm doing, too, and would love any insights. This um, question is actually from Sarah Godestiner, who told oh. me that I could tell people that she had written it. <laughs> <laughs> so, hi, Sarah. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to start with that answer? I
1: think you do you want to Yeah, start? absolutely.
0: Um, I feel like I've been thinking about this question since you asked it, Sarah, because it really is, I feel, uh, well, as a white woman, like failing and failing better all the time. I, I think it starts with willingness to consistently be improving, which I think cannot be over, overspoken. Like I look back on my practices when I was first starting and I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. And like, um, I wouldn't necessarily say that they were actively not intersectional, but there were definitely things that I could have done and did not do. Um, I think specifically as leaders, where I guess I'll start is um, at this point, trying to have the work that we do lift as many people as possible, speak to as many people as possible, And the odd thing as, quote, leaders, like just knowing when to shut your mouth and allow others to speak is really important. Um, And I also think this is such a small thing, but there are things that we can do in our practices that some people have been doing since day one and some people don't even know to do, which is to ask your clients preferred pronouns before they come into your space Ask your client um, if there is a preferred pronoun, or if there is um, like I I used to have um, a really big form on my site. There was and there was and still is. There's always a space to let me know if there's been trauma, if there's something sensitive, if there's a trigger that I need to be aware of, and that's not quite within the lens of intersectionality. But I also think it's about <clears throat> Um, there are ways to not language your deck as being gender specific. There are ways to make it way more inclusive. Um, I'm thinking about this question all the time, like literally, because I, I don't know how great I am at being an ally, but I try. It's something that's really important to me and it requires, no cookies and no prizes. It's just like being a decent person and like failing deeply and like learning to do better. Um, I think being of service in the best way you can and if you're lucky enough to get to the point where you are full in terms of your work and you are interested in being of service and listening in every way you can, being as sensitive as possible, turning that around and giving it back in as many ways as you can, supporting people, letting them um, really have space to shine and do their work.
1: Yeah. What do you think? No, I agree. I think, I mean, the the main thought in my head about this when I saw this question was, so at first it was taking me a while to kind of organize my thoughts about it, um, because I read the question and there was just like a lot coming up in my mind. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, well, where do I even start? And then also, side note, Mercury in Pisces, like, we need a moment. <laughs> uh, um, but I was just like, okay, like, where do I even start here? Um, <clears throat> and then kind of to not get lost in my own head, you know, I just kind of settled back into that thought of, yeah, it's like the first thing that came to my head was, like, listening, because mm-hmm. that's a big problem, <laughs> just in the world in general. But for people to kind of like, what is true listening, and what's really, how do you really listen in here? So then that mm-hmm. way you can move forward accordingly and then to like also make your work more like more available to people and like include everyone and do the work involved in like trying to be better at it you know so it's like for example um like I have a lot of beautiful people in my life that you know like they have told me their their preferred pronouns to use and I'm still getting better at it I'm not great at it like I fuck up like Mm -hmm. I'll kind of say oh wait no not that they don't go by that Mm -hmm. I'm learning um, so I think you know, like making the work more available, being compassionate, being um just like open to listening and then doing the best that you can while being of service um is really kind of the best way to kind of go into it. Mm-hmm. And then, on the other coin of that, people recognizing that, I think is helpful too, because I I feel like I'm not going to be a pro anytime soon at like saying what I'm supposed to say or remember what the per- what somebody wants to be called or mm-hmm. I have my own ways that I mess up, but I'm learning. Yeah. And I'm trying to make everything like more comfortable for mm-hmm. everybody. And in that effort, I think is a lot of healing too. And like doing all those things together, I think is like a really good way to kind of make everything more intersectional. Hell yeah. Just like awareness and practicing practicing that as you learn and get better yourself and in that making more people feel comfortable and welcoming more people to the work that you offer.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, uh, he- fuck yeah to all of that. And, you know, I-, I, I think too, like, you know, I want to really reiterate that. And this isn't an excuse to fall back on in any way. I'm like, I, I, I actively am not practicing some of like, my podcast I feel is way too white and it's not like I want to diversify it because it should be more diverse. I'm genuinely interested in having conversations and it just so happens that like a big roster of people that I've spoken to, some are queer, some are non-gender identifying, you know, whatever, but it's not a true conversation and that's my... That is my responsibility to look at why that is and how I can actively make those changes and be willing to look at that and say, you know. But I think as a leader, like where I, and I don't know that I would refer to myself as a leader, but like another thing that I think is incredibly important is being willing to support without having it be attached to you which is something that I don't know that I've ever talked about because I don't think it, but like I have sponsored so many people. Like if someone needs money, it goes to them. If someone wants to come here to offer work, um, like I have, I have offered and have, you know, and have like sponsored paid for people because I believe that it should be accessible and it doesn't have anything to do with my name or anything I'm doing. And If in some way, like any part of the teeny little platform that I have ever had and and have currently can like silently and invisibly uplift someone else, Mm -hmm. that's the most important thing. It's not necessarily, you know, um, and maybe I have it all wrong. I could have it all wrong right now, but I'm always trying to think of what can I do to uplift and like be way back And have nothing to do with that at all, you know, like um, and I'm I'm still working on it because I don't have that. You know, that was honestly part of the reason that I wanted to open up a store, which was something that I was very um, passionate about doing was because I was like, great. I get to have this place and open it up and allow the space to be a place where people can gather and where money can really be sent to charities and to places and there can be all kinds of different voices and there hopefully and now I'm not doing a space because of life but um like I'm you know I'm learning I think it's a question of really deeply listening of tithing which is something I do a lot especially with people of color and people who do not have the money. It's not something I ever publicly advertise, but I do discount readings and readings for free all the time because I think it's important. I just don't talk about it. So I think that there's a way, maybe I should, I don't know, but I feel like there's also a way it's, it's really offering, giving, listening, being receptive and being um, really willing to, be available to, like, not get it right and not let that stop you from trying.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah. I don't know if that was a helpful answer. I'm still think I'm in the process of it. And I'm excited to hear, Sarah, what you have to say. I think there's probably so much more I could have said. Do you want to add anything more to that? Yeah, I just think
1: for me, too, it's a question I'm always thinking about. But, like, as far as getting together... A fuller answer I can't do that right now um Mm -hmm. but yeah it's something that's always on my mind and me too I'm also always like trying and Mm -hmm. you know I mean it's also kind of I mean I don't know where life's gonna take me (laughs) but you know it's like one of my ultimate goals is to like be able to like, lead and have a space, which, you know, for the longest time, my vision of this was in New Orleans, because mm-hmm. it's a city of a people of color, you know, and mm-hmm. it's like, part of my whole life mission is at some point, I want to have a space where, you know, I feel like it's important for people to have spaces that people look like them.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and that's always bothered me. Because yeah. growing up, I was always the one brown girl in the witch shop and in this <laughs> shop and that mm-hmm. shop and at the rock concert (laughs) just like (laughs) always and I think that's a big part of this whole intersectional thing too is because Mm -hmm. you need people that look like you in spaces um and that and just beyond race too you know it's like if I want to go to some cool spiritual thing. I'm not 90 pounds. All the girls there are 90 pounds with long hair. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just like, where are the other women of different body sizes? So just like in general, I would love to have something like that one day. And it's kind of part of one of my big dreams. But until I get there, it's the same, like I said before, lots of listening Mm -hmm. um, and trying my best in my practice um, in making it accessible to everybody and offering what I do. Um, and also really supporting other people that do that work too, and that's yeah, that's kind of like the best I got for that question right now.
0: Hell yeah! Um, you know, and I'm gonna add one more thing to it. Is like, you know, in terms of accessibility, you just really you brought up a conversation point that I think is really important because, like, that's something I'm always thinking about because energetically, I'm not available because of a lot of different reasons because of many things physically and emotionally my readings cost a lot because they're emotionally a huge exchange for me but it is like my life's mission to provide courses and content in this podcast Mm -hmm. to try to do as much as I can as a giveaway dance somewhat so your accessibility point can change based on where you're at and like if there's chronic illness if there's You know, wherever it is, like, I fucking wish that I was where I was when I was 30 and could do, like, 15 bucks and just churn them out and I can't. Like, it just depends on where you are. And the other thing, too, is, like, this is more of, and maybe it's a question of intersectionality, but. I'll just, you know, say to the to the non-people of color listening to this, like, don't use shit that's not yours. <laughs> like, just don't do it. Like, that's, like, if you're looking for something, I think, like, please feel free to, 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 like, cut me off if it's not, whatever. But, like, I think that that's one really easy way that might, for some of the white listeners, not feel easy for you. Like, maybe you're gateway into your healing has been something that has not been centered in your culture. In you know, from, I promise you that there is a journey that lies ahead for you that is more rich and more transformative than you could ever imagine. And that involves going back to your roots. And that doesn't mean that you can't enjoy, feel called to take part in whatever way that you want. It's not very intersectional, I think, to be charging money to do something that black and brown people barely have been murdered for doing forever, (laughs) you know, like (laughs) that's one really easy way to look around at your practice and say, well, you know, is this a part of my lineage? And, you know, and you can also, by the way, if you find yourself getting defensive, I think you can hold a space of saying Well, okay. Like, even if your belief is like souls don't have color, souls don't have this, they don't have that. We're living in a human experience where this is very real, and that is something like you. I'm constantly checking my practices, constantly checking my practices to be like, is there bullshit here, and is there anything that I'm doing that hasn't, that doesn't resonate, isn't mine, isn't something that i've learned or that feels right for me and that's a beautiful way to allow that to become and i know that that's particularly intersectional as much as it is about like again appropriative stuff which is sort of our next question but i feel like i just wanted to say that yeah anything else you'd like to share
1: uh Yeah, no, I think it's really just kind of closing it off with that. I think we could all just continue to, like, actively keep on doing our best and learning and listening because in that is how we can do better.
0: Totally. Um,
1: It's really, and there's so much listening and so much checking in that has to be done in that process, too. So also knowing that, you know, everyone will mess up a little bit. You won't get better overnight, but it's just, like, do your best, you know? and stay aware in that process
0: totally thank you you're good beautiful should you read the next cue? Oh, yes
1: next question okay so kevin writes what are you guys, what what are you guys thoughts on cultural appropriation and some of the tower decks and how can we learn to better cope with our favorite decks being problematic also what are your tips for finding mindful and respectful decks this stems from Sarah Chappell's post about the Mother Peace, and I am one of those individuals who still adores the deck despite some of its shortcomings.
0: So before I open this up to you, starting the dialogue for this, I just want to catch everybody up that Sarah Chappell, who is a um, wonderful uh, tarot reader, um, posted something on Instagram um, where she opened up a dialogue about the Mother Peace tarot, and... Um, being colonialist and having some real problems because it was created by two white women who, um, used images, tribal images of women of color. Um, and the women makers of the deck found out that, um, two, what is it? Um, basically they did images of two women of color in the mother piece that were part of a ceremony that was um, about clitoral mutilation and never changed the images to reflect something less violent. And the issue is like part of the colonialist mindset is that these women didn't know that, but still use the images anyway. So it's a very problematic aspect of it. And Sarah brought it up rightly so and stated that, it was part of her reason for not using it anymore. And she wanted to know what other people thought. Um, and so Kevin, is, who is a wonderful tarot reader too, um, loves the mother piece. And that's sort of where that question came from. So now that I've offered that, <laughs> I open it to you. Yeah, so
1: yeah. Um, this is a great question. And then when I saw it, it was also kind of something that's been on my mind since I saw that post myself. And, you know, I mean, one of the things I want to start off with is, The things about that deck that are problematic, I totally get it. Yeah. Um, And I responded to that as well. But just me personally as an individual, um, I have so much deep appreciation for like the therapeutic healing journey of tarot that that deck took me on. Mm -hmm. And the way that some cards are just turned into a source of power instead of something to be upset or sad about. So because of that, that deck is still so rich to me. And I still love it. And I'm going to continue using the Motherpiece. piece. Um, it is disturbing, of course, when you find out problematic things about a deck that you love. But and also being such a big person on energy, whenever I use that deck, I just, it doesn't feel like it was made with ill intent to mm-hmm. me, even though there was obviously some like a naive aspect to it, for mm-hmm. sure, which is so problematic. And like, if you're, like, you know, fucking pissed off about it, I get it. Like, it's really problem. It's problematic, it's annoying. Like, a lot of people, I'm so sick of seeing that happen to people of color and stuff in decks. Um, but I just know for this deck individually, which is all I can speak on, is I will continue to use it, because I really do love and cherish the deck. Mm-hmm. It just, it, like, saddens and breaks my heart a little bit, breaks my heart a little bit, like, the mm-hmm. problematic aspects of it. Um, but... I'm still going to use the deck mm-hmm. and despite the problems I have despite the parts I have a problem with overall I do have a good relationship with the deck so mm-hmm. I'll continue to use it but again I totally understand why it's problematic and if anyone is in the school where they want to stop using it then like do you yeah um but that's kind of where I
0: stand with the deck That's cool yeah And what about like have there been other examples you know as a person of color or not as a person of color that you've found with other decks that like, have there ever been other experiences that you've had with decks that have been problematic for you? And if so, like, is it just a matter of saying, well, like, you are not in my roster anymore
1: yeah definitely I mean I feel like if whenever I come across something in a deck that I didn't like or it was just kind of like "Ooh, this does not sit well with me this makes me nauseous I don't like this Mm -hmm. I just don't work with it I part ways (laughs) and I just don't get involved with it at all yeah um and you know I do try to also if I'm gonna invest money in a deck like I want to put money behind something I feel good about Mm -hmm. so yeah, I guess I'm getting a little lost in myself about this question, but um, right. yeah, it's like if I do find a problem with the deck, I would, I would not have a problem separating with it, yeah. except for this case, I am very connected to this deck, so mm-hmm. it would feel like more of a forced separation if I yeah. stopped using the mother piece, and I always try to live my life for me, and I've been doing what's best for me in my own life, so like... Even if I have a bunch of other friends that won't use it anymore, that's totally fine. I'm still gonna use it because I'm gonna do me. Mm-hmm. Um But if I came across another deck, say recently that was problematic and I don't have that soul attachment to it, like I do mm-hmm. the mother piece, I'm probably just gonna be like, fuck
0: this, and then like get rid of the deck. <laughs> so Yeah. I mean, I I answered this with caution because, well, not even with caution, but just I wanna like lay this out right right off the bat that um you know, I don't think anyone knows, like, uh, even beyond the motherpiece, you can find something deeply problematic with almost any deck that was made before the last, like, couple years. <laughs> like Yeah, all people, those have problems. <laughs> yeah, like, people, I think people really are starting to give a shit now about representation and about um, ha- having there be a real inclusivity and respectfulness in what they're creating. Not everyone, but I'm seeing it more, and I feel like it's a really rich time to be alive as a tarot reader. And, like, the wild, or the rider weight was illustrated by a woman of color who was not paid. Yeah. Her name was off the deck. It wasn't even credited on the deck until the centennial. And she died penniless mm-hmm. with no credit. And like, that's the inversion of the motherpiece in that the deck you could say was commissioned by white men, but was created and birthed off of the work and the magic and the skill of this beautiful artist, this woman of color, Pamela Coleman Smith, who was never honored, represented, or named. Yeah. So it's part of the invisible legacy of women of color doing the work and not being seen. It's hugely problematic. And people use that deck all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, there's problems with the Marseille too. Um, I, I'll say this, and this is probably the only thing I'll say about this. I think that the key to one of the keys, I don't know if it's the key and I don't know that I have the answer. In fact, I would say that I don't, um, is just, is honoring those problems and allowing there to be space for foundational learning. And what I mean by that is the fact that we speak Pamela Coleman Smith's name. We honor her. Hopefully we would use the deck that has her name credited on it, which is the Smith writer. Centennial. Um, we write, Vicky Noble and Karen Vogel and tell them that maybe it's time to evolve their deck with new illustrations. Maybe some of the money that they use that they got from Dior can go to some of these That's places. That's a great idea. Yeah. You know, like there, there can be room for evolution for inviting people up. There really can be. And I think that it's not necessarily like, Oh, it makes it all. Okay. You cannot use the motherpiece and still call for there to be these shifts and changes made. I think there's room for that. And I also think, um, I mean, I say this with massive respect to any rider weight user. I teach with the rider weight mainly as what not to do. <laughs> like that has nothing to do with Pamela Coleman Smith. And, but it's very heteronormative very doom and gloom. It's beautiful. And I love anyone who connects with it, whether you are, and I'm not, I'm not hating on anyone. I know there are people of all stripes and all backgrounds and all affiliations who love the writer, who love the Smith writer. Waite. I'm not that there's no judgment on any of this. I think that's the point is that there are problems with almost every piece of art. There are huge problems and legacies with art that go across time. And when we know about them, if they have any kind of importance, I think that the problematic aspects, there is room for any piece of art to be evolved. Yes. And I think it's done by the people.
1: It is. Because even, like, Pamela is a great example of that, right? Mm -hmm. With that deck. Because... When I found out, I was so mad. I was like, how come I never knew this?
0: No one knows. You know? it. I was
1: pissed. I yeah, was so pissed. And then as soon as the Centennial one came out, I got rid of the other one. Yeah. And I purchased that and I put money in that. And whenever I talk about that deck, her name's in it. I lead with her. Mm-hmm. I like I even that beautiful black and white photo of her that comes in that. Yeah. She's on my tarot altar and she watches all my decks. And like, mm-hmm. I was like, this is the one I'm supporting. And I have so much love for that deck because I learned with it. Mm-hmm. but I as soon as that other that edition came out mm-hmm. I was like no the credit needs to go to her and I mm-hmm. got that so there's like always room I really I agree with that and I think another thing that's on my mind about this question is you know the cultural appropriation thing is like tarot decks all made before the last couple of years like you said yeah. there's problems in all of, them. all of them um and there's these just like these decks that are yeah it's like like There's just, there's so many problems. Like I can't even Mm -hmm. find the words for it. But I think the beautiful thing about what's happening right now, um, besides awareness, is the fact that people are actually practicing change and doing something different. And it's like for anyone out there who's like an illustrator or an artist and like you want to honor your culture or your ancestors and you've been thinking about doing a deck, like fucking do a deck. Please
0: do a deck. Put it
1: out there. We need more of it. We need more of the imagery and we need it coming from the people that It's your culture. It's your blood. Um, And then that's one more deck out in the world that can make some kin in some town that nobody looks like them, but that deck looks like them feel good. Or someone that always wanted tarot, but never got it because everybody in the decks is white, you know, or everyone's straight or every lover's card is a male and a female. Mm -hmm. It's just like, totally like, just if you've been thinking about it, do it, add to that pool. Because I think the more people that create these very true, honest, like culturally vast mm-hmm. um, decks, the better it will get. But we need yeah. the people putting the decks out. We have everybody reviewing, and everybody has opinions, and everybody's saying what they feel. Mm-hmm. But the creators, mm-hmm. you have to fucking put it out there because yeah. how else are people going to find it? And I think mm-hmm. that alone will start to help the cultural appro- the cr- cultural appropriation problem. Definitely. In
0: tarot. Well, th- here's the thing. Let's let's really go there with this people wouldn't be using the mother piece if there was something out there like it. Like those ladies, they got some real problems with like some second wave (laughs) colonialist shit. No offense. Like whatever I've had, you know, Karen on the podcast and I'll say it to her face. Like I'd say it to Vicky's face. Like there's some problems with the generational, um, the relationship with race is super problematic in that generation. And fucking now it's problematic across the board, but especially I am not defending the problems in that deck. They are egregious and they should have been changed when they found out, period. Totally. There should have been like immediate financial restitution. There should have been like, like the equivalent of, you know, a message heard around the world. Instead, it's a footnote in the manual, it's not even, you know, whatever, it's it's unacceptable. However, their interpretations of certain cards and their relationship to what it is to have a trauma-friendly deck, what it is to have a deck that even had a face of color on it, which I think they were the first ones, I I think, definitely the first ladies to do that. I'm not saying that it's right. I'm not saying that like there could have been room made for a woman of color to do that deck. Absolutely. But until there's a deck that contains within it, the level of care to the nervous system, the level of depth, the level of spirituality, I've not seen its equal yet. So I think it's hard to ask. It's Tarot is just such a very, it's it's just a very sacred tool. It and it's, yeah. you know, and it's really hard, especially when the mother piece is the only thing that has worked for you as it has. for I know that a lot of people feel that way. Yeah. From all, from all arenas, from all backgrounds. Like I am one of those people. You're one of those people. It's really hard to switch, even it's though sick. I have major problems, even with using it. And I always have. I've always had problems with that deck. For that reason, it's always made me uncomfortable. And my... I love it, but my heart has always sort of been like, if there's another one, like, I'm open. yeah, (laughs) You know? And, like, I've gotten recommendations, and it's not the same. So it's, it's... It has been for me. I don't use, when I read, like, their interps of the deck. I use my interps. I go with my... I go with my intuition. I go with my gut, and you can elevate anything, pass along anything. It's just a vessel to allow things to come through. It um, it's not making it right. I don't know how to make. It's really a. It's a shitty situation. It is. Yeah. It is a shitty situation. Um, my only answer to it, which you have ex- you expressed in your own way so beautifully. My only answer to it is if you have a problem, like I'll share on this podcast, like I'm making a deck right now for exactly that reason. Because I'm like, well, if I have a problem with it, my next step is to say, yeah, what's the deck I would want to use? And the answer is that it's in me and not everybody has to buy it. It's, I'm making it just for myself, you know? So if you don't like it, if there's something that you can't find, make your own you know, like you don't need to be a brilliant artist. There's so many ways that we can Mm -hmm. make our own decks. You don't even need to sell it. You just make it to use it. You know, it doesn't need to be something. So if, if it really bums you out and really deeply offends, upsets, something that you can't move forward from, which I'm not saying anyone has to make your own. But I also think that and maybe, like, I'll look back on this and be like, oh, what an asshole. So that's what I mean. Like, I'm always learning. and <laughs> But I think, too, I think that there's room in the tarot for exploration of the purity that, lo- that lies within the intent and learning what we can do better. Like, if we're yeah. not, if we're abandoning, I'm not saying like a bending motherpiece, but like, we're not like just even this conversation, I think can be a healing too. And can maybe be like this very gentle call to them to say, you know, thank you for opening the door for there being like all of these women, all of these different colors, all of these different backgrounds. Great. Now we're going to shift it so that like people are properly compensated. Yes, There's exactly. no one getting harmed because you're using tribal imagery. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Like, without the... Yeah. Yeah.
1: I completely I agree. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: And I would say also, to like, kind of just... To follow that up for anybody out there in the similar case who's like well because i mean for the people that are just like not going to use it anymore it's, it's a clean cut like they kind of already know what they're going to do mm-hmm. so i feel like there's not much to say on that Yeah. and i totally respect that i get that because those problems are big problems huge um but for anyone like us who, that we still work with the deck um you know it's just like you know explore other options see if there's something else you connect with mm-hmm. um and yeah if you want to like fucking make a deck make a deck like do better um don't beat yourself up if you still use the deck or if you still connect to the deck yeah um that's kind of the main thing I really wanted to drive home because yeah. it's just we need more options out there we need better and, and you yeah. know it's like whether that's you making it yourself or you asking for recommendations or exploring other things yeah. um but there's definitely a way to um to deal with this unfortunate <laughs> like situation with the problems yeah. in
0: that deck. Yeah. yeah, I, Beautifully put. And, and you know, I will add my last two cents to just dovetail off of what you said. Like the reason that this is it. And I would, I would really take this mm-hmm. here with folks. Like it is not cut and dried. It's not. Tarot is, huh. it, it's like, it is a soul thing. You cannot recreate. I do not have connections with other decks like I do with that one. Other decks don't talk to me like that one. Mm-hmm. It's just like dating people. It's really hard. And like you can say, well, like, oh, well, then you're dating like a racist, <laughs> you know, because it's like a appropriative fucking deck. <laughs> I recognize that. And I know that there are problems with that. But until I hear a yes or until there is another deck that comes through that can support me, my clients, my work in the way that feels like a yes, I can't change it yet, even though I know. So the only thing I can do is honor that, not try to bury it. Mm
1: -hmm. And also
0: say, uh, this is not necessarily just by using this deck that I'm adhering to everything that they've had to say about it or, or agree with that. I don't, I do, I actively disagree with what the mother peace ladies say about the emperor. I actively disagree with the Eraphant. I actively disagree with most of their knights. I don't, I don't agree. You know, it's just like not true to me. So I think that there's room to also say this was their interpretation. It is not mine. Um, but there's a gray area there for some people like me saying this is like, they might think like, well, that's fucking unacceptable and it's continuing a process. And I understand that. But until I find something better. Yeah. (laughs) Until I find something that is the (laughs) same, which I haven't, it's really hard to walk away from. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Like honor the problems and uh, intend I think to elevate, yeah, evolve, and educate. Definitely, you know. Wow. Okay, it's just slightly <laughs> different in tone this question, but sort of along the same deep lines. Amber writes, "I keep pulling the three of swords and the ten of swords, but I do not resonate with the rock bottom betrayal they represent in all the books. What am I missing?" I love this question. I love it. Do you want to start a book? I do. So this is a a really, I think that the answer to this question, where I'm about to like fly into in my answer is sort of kind of a beautiful little dovetail to what we were just talking about, which is that the books don't always have accurate answers. In fact, what I would say is, and I cannot believe I'm going on verbal record saying this, (laughs) Most, I've not read one book about the swords cards that have really pleased me because an author talking about the swords cards is a representation of how far they've gone with their brain chemistry work. So if they feel that Three of Swords is a horror show, they either haven't really chosen to live it or they've actively given in to the meta invitation that the swords present which are like that it's shitty and horrible but it's really it can be on the surface to the brain but if you drop in there's something much deeper so the reason that you don't resonate with the doom and gloom is because they often are not doom and gloom yeah they represent these really potent invitations to meet some aspect of our thoughts and some aspect of our chemical experience and try to befriend it and actually go deeper. So if you're not resonating with that, it's probably because most of what's written in the books is really not actually the truth of how the swords can play out. At least for me. What do you think? Yeah,
1: I think well, uh, one thing that helps me with the swords is because that is a hard one. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, um, yeah, like all the books, they never fully resonate and they're very. Yeah. And but I think the best thing I can say is I kind of equate the air suit to air sign energy, like in mm. astrology. Mm. so so for example um having like an air moon or something right like the person will tend to overanalyze things you think about stuff a lot everything goes through this like mental amusement park before you deal with anything it's just what happens with the air element so that's how I see swords so usually when they come up instead of me being like oh fuck what is this (laughs) like (laughs) no I'm kind of like all right What's going on beneath the surface though? Like if I step out of my mind or if I step Mm -hmm. out of the air element and put my two feet on earth, Mm -hmm. what's really happening? And I make myself check in on a deeper level. Instead of, so I feel like a lot of that fear and doom in those air cards, it's almost like, Perpetuating like an anxiety cycle, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> or like a, you know, or like someone with an air moon in your chart, and I have an air moon. I get it. It's like my mm-hmm. mind will just keep thinking and thinking, and I'm like, and I build it up to be something bigger than it is. Mm-hmm. So whenever I see those cards, I'm like, okay, down to earth. Like, what could this really mm-hmm. be, and what's the source of power in this, and what can I learn, and what's really going on? I love it. So I feel like the air is a little bit of a call to like get down from like that mental bubble or your mind about whatever it is that you're reading
0: about. Yes. Perfect. Amazing. I'm going (laughs) to turn the light on in our room because it's like dark in here. (laughs) Um, Would you like to read the next question? Yes.
1: Okay. So the next
0: question is... Anonymous asks,
1: "My question for Ask a Tower reader is about how to prevent overtaxing myself during readings. I was drawn to using tarot as a tool for meditation and insight many years ago, but had to stop. People started asking me for readings, which would do, which, uh, which would do happily, but I noticed they would leave me feeling exhausted and mentally and spiritually. Do you have any advice on how what what changes wait on how on how what changes I can make to process?" um that can prevent this sorry my mercury and pisces just butchered this
0: question (laughs) because you started like (laughs) thinking about it before i did (laughs) so all right i I do think
1: this is Uh, okay so for this question which is just a funny side note yeah so um i did a session with someone recently who you know i was introduced to me through this podcast one of the last times i was on and then she brought up the whole like queen of swords thing so it's kind of a little funny joke i have if I get questions like this, since I'm, mm-hmm. I, like, I feel like I'm like a queen of swords queen mm-hmm. boundary questions, yes. <laughs> it's like my forte. So <laughs> I thought of that right away as soon as I saw this. Love it. Um, so yeah, overtaxing yourself during readings. So you, you really, I think the best way to kind of avoid that, and this is where it gets tricky to answer because it's such an intensely individual yes. experience yeah i would say explore with finding a way for you to do a ritual before each reading whether yes. it's only five minutes or a half hour like say before i do readings like um i don't really communicate with anyone like a full hour before i need a mm. whole hour to just like ground myself to chill out to be in my own space to ground my energy before i can provide for someone else mm. um sometimes i light candles I can't meditate for shit, so I don't do that. But, like, I'll play my drum, I'll, like, you know, light some incense, whatever. So Mm -hmm. I would just say look for things that ground and center you um, and just, like, be in your space for a little bit. And in that time, you can, like, close your eyes, you can, like, uh, do, like, a mantra or something. Just create, like, a self-protection, self-grounding ritual that you can do before all your readings. And for people, that could be like a two-minute check-in. They close their eyes and they're good. Mm -hmm. Other people like me need a damn hour. (laughs) So, Like whatever that is, create that for yourself. And that, you know, it would be that alone, I think, should kind of make some of a difference. Um, And some people, like if you're a crystal person, wear black stones. Black crystals really help Mm. with boundaries. So you can wear those while you're doing readings with people. And then you will tax yourself less because the black stones are helping less energy leak from your aura. Um, so you can do that. If you're into making magical things, you can make like a little protection amulet and wear that when you read for people. So it's, there's so many answers for a question like this. And I would just say yeah. explore things that create that feeling of space and safety and energy protection for you mm-hmm. and practice those um, before and during your sessions with people. And make sure you cleanse after because readings are so it's an energy exchange oh, yeah. even if it's online i mean like similar for both of us i do a lot of my work online with people yeah. um, and even then sometimes i'll send down a reading and i'm like oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> even though it was on yeah. the computer yeah so even then like i have my protective stones around the computer mm-hmm. i use my palo santo after to bring myself back down to earth so like the, the kind of space you create for yourself before, during, and after a session is crucial. Yes. Um, and that will really help with overtaxing yourself. And I think should help you kind of get back into doing readings again, and then you'll feel more aligned with it instead of exhausted. Because it is an exchange, which is why you feel exhausted. Yeah. Um, it's not like somebody just, like, putting out some cards for you. It is completely a fucking energy exchange. It is. So it makes total sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Fuck yeah. The only thing I would add to that, because everything you just said, was gold. There are just there th- there can be some practical things to add to the energetic elements that can be helpful and I don't know that they're like what I'm about to say isn't necessarily like always the rule. I just think it's an important checklist to, to go through um when we experience things like this because I have experienced things like this myself and I it, asking these questions have really helped me. Um The one thing is that you have to check sometimes the experience of becoming exhausted after you give a reading has to do with one of the following. Either the person that you're doing it for is not actively in the exchange with you. Um, That's not saying anything personal, but we have to check in about that. Like, are they just your friends? Are they constantly asking you for readings? Are they asking the same fucking shit. They've asked you four hundred times. If so, of course you're tired. So we have. Sometimes it's important to look at the situation and the person. And I'll go one step further and say that as somebody who, you know, like you gives readings on the rug as my job or part of my job, um, I. There are people who are heavier than others. And there is nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with anyone who is who requires more. Um, unless it is a problem, and then you have to do something about it. But there are some folks that are just um yeah, they're just like they're just where that's where they are right now. Yeah. And for that, we have to be able to say, okay, well, is not it in my highest and best to hold that for them? Do I have enough room in my arms to hold them? And are they doing their work along with me? And that really is, if you ask yourself that question, I promise you, you will know the answer. You'll know it in your heart. You might not wanna have that conversation. You might not wanna respectfully refer that client out, but it sometimes is really important to ask ourselves, am I holding or do I feel like I have to hold this person, caretake take them, take care of them? Am I bound, you know, just as you said, like, am I really closing down mm-hmm. after the reading? Sometimes we can go through a ritual, but not actually like have that queen of swords and as not closed
1: down not yeah. closed
0: down and Definitely. be like thinking about whether or not they liked it or if and they're okay still
1: carrying it
0: right and that's and not getting exhausted yeah and it's not yours yeah like it's not for you to take on actively not for you to take on and it's not unless you actively offend someone or make a faux pas that is so important to be corrected and addressed it doesn't matter if people like you reading or not it's like none of your business. Yeah. So they can think that you're the best. They can think you're the worst. They're so welcome to think like, I don't give a fuck. Like people can love me. People can hate me. I'm grateful for the love. I'm grateful for the hate sometimes. It's fine. You know, it's fine. And the only other thing that I would share is, and, and I, I share this for the readers who are listening out there who maybe are professional readers and they're, they're actively doing this for their money mm-hmm. sometimes. And I'm curious to see what you say about this. Sometimes that feeling means that it's time for a rate raise. Sometimes not all the time. Some of the time it can mean that in general, the exchange has just gotten monetarily a little bit larger and we need to rise to meet that. Sometimes that doesn't, it could be $5 just sometimes the energy of the numbers change and it's important for us to rise to meet it. Other times not. And um, I also think, God, I'm like talking a lot. Sorry. Um, I feel like my answer to this is really, really long, but the reason that it's long is because, you know, I am actually someone, I think lots of children of abusive parents like can resonate with this. Like I I just want to of service and I'm capable of taking on doing a lot that doesn't feel good and it takes me a really long time to be like oh god like I am deep in this and it's not the client's fault it's my fault like that's really been my four years of doing this professionally is being like oh god like how do I recenter and one really big thing that I've I discovered and it was huge is like I don't like doing in-person readings and Mm -hmm. I don't like looking at people on computer screens And I was like, oh, great. My career is is over (laughs) because like people want that. And it has since not ruined my career. It's made me way better, way sharper. I didn't even, there were pools of depth that I go to with clients because we're not in the same physical proximity that I didn't even know I could go to, like truly. And I feel like I'm giving better readings than I ever have. And I feel like it's also great because there's some people who need to be in person. They need that. And that's great because there are so many fucking gifted readers totally. out there. Tons. Yeah, yeah. Who, like, they can book with. And there's Definitely. no love lost. But I would say also to you, Anonymous, think about, like, those incidentals. Do you like computer readings? Do you like phone readings? Do you like in person? That's so important. Yeah. Do you like where you're giving them? Like, I think that question, because there's a lot of, um... It's like going to your doctor and being like, oh, I have like a pain in my arm. Like there are a lot of questions to ask about what it could be. And it, it's like that feeling of being exhausted and just like, it could, yeah. it could be telling
1: you so many things. So much information. Um, And, and you know, you may need to do a mix of things. Like mm-hmm. say, ask those questions, which are great questions that you gave. Like keep a little black tourmaline around or something. Oh, and then answer the fact that, totally. you know what, I don't like doing events and then don't do events
0: anymore. Exactly Because
1: the thing is, a lot of times it's a mix of stuff for us. Absolutely. And, those questions, like asking questions to that response, will lead you in the right direction. You know, mm-hmm. it's like I hate doing, like all day events, like where there's like a reader set up, and then you're like, I would get physically ill. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, I hated it. I didn't mm-hmm. do it. I felt like shit for days. Yeah, and I was always like, but and it was at the start of this, so I was mm-hmm. like, but I need people. I need people to know my name. I need to be out and about. And I was like, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. I don't. Rather have people not know my name. Yeah. And it's like, I realize I need to be like in my little (laughs) abode working from my computer and sometimes doing stuff in person. And I'm so, I have so many less situations where I feel totally exhausted by readings. Unless, like you said before, which is an important thing for readers to know, there are people that do need more, that require more space and more energy that you'll just encounter and you're kind of like, oh, that one was a little heavier than Mm -hmm. the last few readings I did. But just long story short, like answer the answering those questions for yourself and why you're exhausted and then making a plan for how to move forward should make a really
0: big difference for you, Anonymous. Yeah. And and you know, like everything that you said is is like questions aside could not you like Anais's advice is the most important thing that was just said. It's like like if you don't have the energetic backbone, it won't even be easy to get like answers to those questions. Yeah. Unless there's really a fortification there. So I just really want to honor what you brought. Well, thank you. Um and I think we're I like we are literally like basically out of time. So oh, yeah, I feel we like we should just pick two more. Yeah. I'll do one and then you do one. And I feel like we maybe we can pick from this list. Okay. Um, we don't have to go in order unless we want to. Uh, I want to, I really want to do Renita's question. Um, I feel really drawn to, I felt drawn to so many of these. I'm bummed, but we'll save them for next time.
1: Okay. Um, I think, um, um, let's see. One that is popping out to me. Is um, anonymous um, another anonymous person asking me a question mm-hmm. about um framing questions? I, I did like that question, and I let's do those.
0: Yeah, so it's my turn, right? Okay, perfect. I like forgot. <laughs> okay, Renita asks, "I'm trying to be consistent in my tarot practice, but there are some days and times of the week where I just don't quote feel it. How do you deal with those moments? Hashtag not feeling magical all the time, <laughs> Renita." I and I chose your question because it must be answered. It must be addressed. Like attention must be paid <laughs> to this question, which is that you're not supposed to. It's not supposed to be. Like imagine if you like made yourself like you had to have an orgasm every day. Like it's just not. I mean, it's great, but like it's probably not going to happen. And follow the flow of your feelings. If you're just not feeling it all the time, like. I need vast amounts of time, like, you know, and I will share, like, uh, the last few months, I won't get into the personal details of it, have been easily some of the most challenging in my life. I went through a huge life experience that was very traumatic. I moved apartments. I didn't want to fucking touch my deck. Every time I pulled a card, it was like, fuck you. (laughs) Every time I tried to pull a card about guidance, they wouldn't give it to me. There are moments in life when we must be present in the living of our lives. And there are moments when guidance will come through in a different way. I know for me, sometimes when I pull cards on my life situations, I don't get anything. But if I give a reading, whatever is said in the exchange offers me what I'm looking for, it's the same thing. Like if you're not, you are and not to tell you your business, Renita, but I'll bet you, you are feeling magical all the time. It just might not be that you're feeling magical in the connection of your deck every day. Yeah. And that's so important to know that it's not, a, you're not failing because you're not feeling it.
1: Exactly. And then that it's natural too, just to take breaks. It's very much that whole tuning yeah. into your cycles and the ebb and flow. Yeah. Even as a reader, it's going to happen. I have periods. I don't read Tara at all. Yeah, because I'm not feeling it. Like I'll pick up the deck and I'm like, oh, gross. I just I can't. I can't yeah. put it on the other
0: side. Of the room. <laughs> Sweet way. And it I away. tell
1: people too. I'm not offering Tara right now. Mm. I've done that before. Um, I'm like I recently started taking tarot readings again but I didn't read for two months and whenever anyone asked I was like I'm sorry but I'm not reading tarot right now but there's a bunch of other people that you can connect with Mm -hmm. this is where you'll find them because I listen to it now but before I used to feel really bad I was like I'm supposed to be an intuitive person like what the hell is this why can't I like I'm looking at these cards and it looks like Russian it's like because I'm not feeling it right now and just honor that cycle yeah honor it so beautifully put it's perfect And so we're back to another anonymous and I, let's see. So anonymous asks, I wanted to ask how, oh, wait, wait a minute. We had a few anonymouses. (laughs) I just got lost because there's a few. There are. There are a few. (laughs) Okay. So now I'm at the right one. Uh, Seems fairly basic, but what is some advice around framing questions? Uh, I don't know why I get so caught up on this. I want to make sure I'm asking questions that make room for clear answers. So. The first two things that popped out to my head is uh, tarot very much is like a visual movie adventure at Mm -hmm. times. So knowing also, too, that you're not always going to get a clear answer is really important because it'll be like it'll take you on like an abstract film journey. And at the end, you're like, what the fuck does that mean? And like you have to do some exploring or like your friend says something or you have an experience later that day and you're like, oh. That's mm-hmm. what that means. So leave some room for you to keep on interpreting what comes up, because um, sometimes it's just not going to be clear. Uh, as far as the questions, um, yeah, I think this part is a little tricky, but I think it's an important question to ask because everybody's so different. Yeah, and I think the where tower readers when you're beginning, and I was there too, totally. I would get really caught up in questions because. Mm-hmm. I was asking them like everyone else did or like the books did. Yes. And that's not my thing. I'm very much a storyteller. So I even do my questions that way. Um, And what I noticed for me, like just kind of doing this direct, will I this or will I, that doesn't work for me to ask questions, but for some Mm -hmm. other readers, that's exactly how they ask questions. So if the way that you're doing it right now, is it working for you? Um, Revise, revise the questions. Like, make a new way to ask what you're asking um, and mm-hmm. leave some room to play and explore your words. And who knows, maybe you even need to hold your deck and do like silent intentions with the deck first and kind of tune into what it is that you want to know. And then the question will come to you, but kind of step out of yourself first so that you don't get too lost in like, how am I supposed to ask this question?
0: Oh, beautiful. Yeah. I, I, I completely agree. And what I would offer, what I will offer is something that just really fortifies a a very powerful thing that Anais was just talking about, which is that you create your own questions. And the key is it has to be useful to you. So I, I think something that I see a lot that I would like to once again, just if I can do anything for anyone listening to this right now, it's to really encourage you. Like, I I am of course like a big, I am a lover of of like ritual and there being a sacredness. But like, go to your deck when you feel tired, dirty, anxious, afraid, and ask directly for what it is that you need or what it is that can help you to be open to experience this moment, sometimes we need gateways. Mm -hmm. And I find in my own tarot practice, it wasn't something that I understood right away, but like if something really big and crunchy is happening to me and if I go to my deck for it and if I say, you know, what's the deal with this crunchy thing, sometimes I get this super lovely gentle card and it doesn't mean like it's all gentle. They're just saying like, take a bath, put us down, like stop, (laughs) you know, like you're not, you're not going to know right (laughs) now. So it moves in spirals, just like you were saying, like you put it so brilliantly. It's true. And Another thing that can really help readers, I've seen it really, I think, transform practices is like, if you have trouble framing your question, a beautiful thing that you can do before you ask a question is to like, have a heart to heart with your deck for a couple minutes before you ask, you can sit down and just say, basically say like spirit source guides, God deck, higher self, whatever I'm in the shit right now, like, this this person isn't calling me back. I feel like I'm totally lost. I'm like in this looping pattern. There's a lot of grief coming up for me. Like, I don't have any money right now. Like, just really like pour your heart out. And I promise you at the end of pouring your heart out, a question is going to bubble up, even if it's just, you know, show me how I can feel closer to you, show me how I can feel closer to myself. Like, it might not even be like, tell me what's going to happen with the guy, tell me what's going to happen with the money. It, it it really is just like an intuitive exchange that is very intimate and really changeable. And like, it changes based on moment to moment situationally. Um, I, I have this... I have an attitude about things often that like, I just don't, we were talking about this before we recorded. Like, I just like, don't care. Like if someone puts a question to me, I'm like, well, that's great. But how does this resonate with me? And that's something that I've always been very vocal about with this podcast and especially with my students. I'm like don't take what I have to say f- for you. Like this is an idea yeah. if It resonates, keep it. And if not, and even if it does, it's not the way you're going to do it. So like do it the way you're going to do it. It's really just like exploring your own exchange, you know,
1: it is. And
0: it's so important to do, which kind of loops it around again
1: to that whole importance of picking a deck that speaks to you.
0: Yes. And not just, it's, it's, yeah, it's like,
1: because if you just pick up one that looks cool and you're like, I'm going through it right now, just show me something. Yeah. Like you could maybe still not feel nothing. But like if it's a deck that you vibe with and you're just like fucking lost, but then you get that guidance card and you're like, Oh, because you already have a language established with that deck. That's right.
0: That's right. Yeah, very important. I really wish we could keep going, but it's like we're already at a minute. We're already even an hour (laughs) fifteen. (laughs) And you like have to go home. So that's important. Not like I want you to leave but you have to go back to Queens. (laughs) and I have to honor that. So um, to everyone whose questions were answered, thank you so much. Thank you. To everyone that submitted a question, we see you really just, I can't thank you enough for like sliding into my DMs, for emailing me. Questions are always logged. And so if there are like last time for Ask a Tarot Reader, we had a couple of questions left over. They're still in the roster. So, um, when we do it again, your question might get answered that you asked like months ago, it might be answered here. And if we didn't get to your question, please feel free to ask it because there were a million beautiful questions that were asked. We just didn't have the time. Um, and I'm gonna do my best to have Anaya here more often if she's willing. So, we... uh,
1: yeah, I'm just gonna just like move in right here. That'd be
0: great. <laughs> Love to have you. There's always room. Um, yeah. So thank you, thank you, thank you. We hope you like this and uh, happy. Oh, this is out on like close to the new moon.
1: Oh perfect.
0: Happy new moon. Happy new moon. Happy new moon. <laughs> Thank you and nice Oh my
1: pleasure. Thank you everyone for listening. Yes. <laughs> Bye. Bye.